What is Bobby Newport's brother's name? Answer at the end of the episode. The citizens of Pawnee. I would like to go on record. Speaking as a citizen of Pawnee. Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massage. Treat yourself. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. My mom's Puerto Rican. That's why I'm so lively and colorful. Says you could have network connectivity problems. Jogging is the worst, Chris. I mean, I know it keeps you healthy, but God, at what cost? Dr. Harrison, you are literally the meanest person I've ever met. Dad, Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergich, Gingrich. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. Hello, welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as some other trivia and tidbits about the show. My name is Brian, and I will be your host. This is episode number 61, being recorded Sunday, March 19th, 2023. And today, I'm going to be talking about season one, episode five, The Banquet. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. And just a reminder, this podcast will have full spoilers for the entire series. How is everybody doing? Um, just got done. We had a birthday party for my daughter, Sadie. She just turned 11. So happy birthday to her. Um, we like having, we don't have people over that often because <laughs> um, we just, I don't know, like everyone else, I think, you know, I'm, I'm 42 years old and we're just getting more and more, well, my wife and I at least, um, Actually, I don't want to speak for for her, but myself, you know, I, I love my friends, my family and everything. But for the most part, I just want, I just want to be home. I just want to be left alone so I can podcast and make terrible episodes and, you know, do do things like that. But uh, no, it's always awesome having friends and family over. Plus, it gives us uh, a reason to have to clean the house. I did pretty much all the cleaning in the house. My wife did the cooking and the shopping and everything. But I am tired. My my body is tired. And um yeah, but luckily, uh, the the thing with parties, with family parties, is when the first person leaves. That's usually uh, I feel I feel like everyone else is just kind of watching, waiting for the first people to leave, and uh, then it's like a trickle down effect. Actually, uh, my brother and uh, friend of the show, Mike, they uh, they they were there for uh, a bit and they had to leave. They uh, they had other engagements going, but after that, uh, you know, like an hour or two after that, then the next group went, and then it's like within those two people leaving, then the other 10 were gone within like five minutes. <laughs> so uh, it's always nice. Uh, if you are at a party and you're the first people to leave, don't feel bad for doing it because uh, the people throwing the party love you the most because you get it going. All right, let's talk about some filler. Everything he's saying is nonsense and he's fooling them. First uh, to start off, uh, Shrinking, which is a show that's on Apple TV. My cousin, Tim, Got me into this one. He told me to check it out. He knows I like Jason Siegel. And it's uh, so this show is I'm still the jury's still out on this one for me. There are things I definitely like about it, but there's things I don't like. And I'm very critical, as as you all know, just listening how uh, uh, how much I overanalyze things. But this is kind of like a feel good show, kind of like a Ted Lasso one. The only problem with shrinking is that I don't think it's funny. It's like it's trying to be funny, but I don't think it is like imagine Jason Siegel, like when he's really depressed and, and forgetting Sarah Marshall after she breaks up with him. But then also bit also a little bit mixed with his character in I Love You, Man, where 
Like in that one, he's more just like kind of a free spirit, like yeah, whatever. But I, I don't know. Maybe I just think of that because of like some of his mannerisms in this and how he tries to be like cool dad with his daughter. So he has a lot of like dorky phrases and stuff. And, it, you know, like I guess when he's riding around on his bike, it reminded me of his character, Sydney from I Love You, Man. But anyway, uh, his uh, what, the, what the whole show is about is Jason Siegel is a widower. His wife died in a car accident. I don't remember if they said like if it was a DUI, uh, not on her part or if she was killed by a drunk driver. But I think all we know is that, excuse me, it was a car accident. So him and his daughter are are left and his daughter is like a younger, but a dead ringer for Haley Steinfeld. I thought that was actually who it was right when the show started. It was like, wait, I didn't know she was in this, but it's not her. Um, and actually uh, connecting to the Parks and Rec universe, his wife, oh, I forgot what uh, I forgot what her name is, but she would uh, the actress that is. But she was in Parks and Rec. She was uh, the the finale episode for season six when Ben had to go try to get Wi-Fi from Grizzle. This is when Grizzle was introduced. There was Blake Anderson, you know, with the long curly red hair from um, Workaholics. The girl that was with him on the show, they never said her name, but she is her character's name is Sam Nutt. Uh, but anyway, uh, that girl, she was the one that was like, oh, you're the architect or whatever. They didn't believe him that he uh, created Cones of Dunshire, Ben. So anyway, she plays, uh, she's only in like flashbacks, but she plays Jason Siegel's wife there. So anyway, she has passed away. He cannot get over this, or at least I, for the first episode when he's introduced, he's like this, you, this guy that's clearly gone over the edge. I mean, he's like doing cocaine and he's got hookers over when his like daughter's sleeping and stuff. But it just, it, I think the thing with the show to me is that it's just too unrealistic. It, it seems like fake. Like the characters are like all of them seem fake. And it's like, like, for instance, Siegel's on this like bender. And then it's like one day, like his neighbor's like, you got to get over this. And then the next day it's like, he's clean and serene. And he's clearly, he's still got issues. He's not over this, but it seems like just right when the show starts off, it's like, so I don't know. I mean, like, I don't need to see depressed Jason Siegel because I've seen it before, but almost, I, and maybe they'll tell us more. I'm I gotta say, I'm, I haven't finished this first season. I'm only five episodes in, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it. Like, I want to like this show. I really do, but I don't at the same time. Harrison Ford's in it. I have no idea why he's in this. He's not bad, but again, I mean, I just feel like they got Harrison Ford to play this role that anyone could have played because he doesn't really get good lines and he's doesn't deliver them that well anymore either. And I, I love Harrison Ford, but um, I don't know. He's, he's okay. And then there, there's, uh, their third person. They all, they all work for the same, um, psychiatrist office, uh, Gabby, who's, uh, she's fun and she's given good lines. I just doesn't feel, I don't feel like she always delivers them, uh, the, the best way. I don't know if that makes any sense. And then, uh, Krista Miller's in it. If you've, if you watch scrubs, she was Dr. Cox's wife. Her husband is the creator of the show, Bill Lawrence, who also was the creator of scrubs. So, um, it's kind of one of those Rob Zombie things where they keep casting their wives because I, I don't know. I don't think she's that great either. I didn't think she was that great on Scrubs, but she's the neighbor. And then she's married to Ted McGinley, who was Jefferson on Married with Children for the old schoolers out there. Hell yeah. Married with Children, baby. Uh, he's in it, too. And I like him and I love him, but he just has like one liners. That's all he kind of. He comes and goes, and it's usually just like, hey, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, you having a good fucking day? All right, me too. Cool. Hey, uh, hey, hey, how's it going? Hey, oh, yeah, we have your daughter over. Because they're, they're Jason Siegel's neighbors, this couple, but they've 
they almost become like the second and third parent for his daughter because she hangs out with um yeah the neighbor lady a lot because when he was going on like his benders and everything but it just seems weird to me that everyone's so cool with all this like the neighbors and everything too but anyway um yeah it's it's not a it's definitely not a bad show has a little bit of um like I said, maybe a little Ted Lasso, but also like a little severance to me too, because it just has a very like, I don't know, maybe not severance. That's severance is like ugh, weird, uh, <laughs> and it's in its own different level. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, Shrinking is on Apple TV if you want uh, TV if you want to check that out. Uh, quick recap for The Last of Us. Oh man, I I had a blast. Uh, my sister and I we reviewed this uh, weekly on our on our show Horrorcopia podcast. If you want to check out our our in depth reviews there i do have uh, most of them at least time stamped if you only want to hear that i won't be offended but anyway this was an awesome show nine episodes uh based on the video game the last of us this first season strictly stuck with game one there are two of these i have not played the last of us part two i do know some of the events that happen i'm not happy about that but uh, I don't know if they're going to do this next season. And I get, I'll, I'll try not to, or actually, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'll stop talking about that. But if you're interested in looking ahead, what happens? Ugh. So, uh, yeah, I thought the, the acting in this show was incredible. I loved Joel and Ellie, uh, Pedro Pascal and uh, Bella Ramsey. They were both just incredible. Uh, the, the, the side cast, I mean, uh, uh, Anna Torv, she played, jeez. Uh, what the hell is her Tess, Sorry. He, she was only in a couple episodes, but she was great. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like actually most of the characters that we met were pretty much just like one and done. There were a couple of the villain, like, uh, Kathleen played by, um, <laughs> geez, I'm on a roll today. Uh, Linsky Lansky, the, the girl that's in, uh, yellow jackets. This is so embarrassing. Anyway. Uh, yeah, the, the show, the, the only problem, though, having played the game, there weren't, I just don't feel there were enough, there wasn't enough threat from the zombies, if you will, but they're clickers, runners, bloaters, whatever you want to call them, they go, come in different stages. After the fifth episode, and again, there were nine of these, after the fifth episode, because in episode five, there was the biggest swarm we saw in the, in the, the show where hundreds, if not thousands of these things all basically just like erupted from underground. Just watch the episode if you want to know why they're underground. But after that episode, there were four more episodes and, and all of that combined, we saw two. That's it. So I just, and, and they, they did a great job. They, this was a great adaptation from the game. However, it was just, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just don't really need to see how bad humanity is anymore. We saw it in Black Summer. We saw it all over The Walking Dead. And I mean, I, it's realistic, but I just, I guess it gets to a point with me where I'm just tired of seeing every new villain we meet is a thousand times worse than the last one. Because in episode eight of The Last of Us, there was, uh, you know, a villain and religion had to do with it, which I know Rain Wilson had spoke about this. Uh, it was kind of made headlines. He was saying, why does every Christian that's, you know, that's introduced in TV shows have to be like a... Why does this person always have to be like the the worst villain ever? And I mean, I I, I don't want to get into religion, but yeah, it's just uh, yeah, Christians are portrayed a lot, like you saw that on The Walking Dead in these in the later uh, seasons. Actually, I think it might have been season ten or even one of the earlier parts of season eleven. 
there was a group called the Reapers. And this was just a dumbass group that I fucking hated. Like, I just hated everything about them. And, and I think that's one of the things they try to make Christians seem like annoying by always scripturing things, which it is. And it, it's effective. But yeah, I can understand where he's coming from. But I'm not going to I'm not going to speculate on that. I'm just saying that. Yeah, it's it. it I, I kind of it makes sense. But anyway, back to the show. If you have not watched this, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. HBO, just they've got the money. HBO is top of the line, I feel. I mean, like Netflix will always have the numbers. But I think as far as product goes, HBO Max is the best. And that's why it's the most expensive. I mean, they just, they get their hands on everything. They've got the money. And like Netflix just puts so much shit out that it's, it's, some of it is great. You know, some of it really is good, but a lot of it sucks too. And HBO doesn't have a lot of that because they don't put out as much. It's like, we're going to spend our time on this, you know, and um, also if you do, uh, you know, if you'd like listening to podcasts other than this one, I highly recommend there was uh, The Last of Us, the podcast, which was uh, the companion piece, I guess, to the episodes, because every time uh, when one of the episodes would end like that Sunday night, these podcasts would immediately come out where they talked about that episode. And it was with the creators of the, uh, the creator of the game. He was also a uh, big, uh, you know, he's a producer on the show. And then uh, one of the writers and it's just fantastic. I mean, the insight you get and how in depth these guys get about everything. So uh, last of us. Awesome. 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 Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about real quick, and this is actually almost like my uh, shrinking thing because I haven't finished the season. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, the movie that just cleaned house at the uh, the Oscars. Not they, they didn't win everything. It wasn't a clean sweep, but they, they won like seven uh, like awards. That's, that's amazing. Uh, so this is the one that's about kind of like the multiverse. Uh, Rob, my brother, I know you're not listening, but dude, it is a multiverse. You don't have to get upset. Marvel didn't coin that term. It's literally a multiverse. But uh, Michelle Yeoh, she plays a character, and she's also in the MCU. She was in Shang-Chi. She played his uh, his aunt, uh, Auntie Nan, I think was her name, at the end, the kind of lackluster battle at the end of uh, Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi, sorry. But uh, anyway, uh, the only reason I wanted to point this out is because I started watching the movie and I was watching it on my phone, actually. And I got about 30 minutes in and was like, nope, I can't do this. Like, I, I want to watch the movie, but I could not watch it on my phone. No way. It was just there's too much going on here. I got to see this on the big screen. And uh, uh, as far as Parks and Rec goes, Jenny Slate, who is, uh, of course, Mona Lisa Saperstein, she I don't know if she has a bigger role in this movie, but I saw her in the beginning and uh, the family, you know, they they run uh, a laundromat. So it actually kind of actually, I don't think the family. Well, their dynamic or the way this movie shot so far with like how it's just like a fun uh, Chinese family. I, I was going to compare it to or I am going to compare it to Parasite a little bit. Granted, that's Korean. It's not Chinese. But um, I don't know. I just I, I'm getting similar vibes. And now Parasite was obviously turned into more of a like a drama horror but and this is more just like action. But I saw Jamie Lee Curtis is in this, and uh, I I don't remember I, I don't know the actor's name, but he played Data in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Speaking of Harrison Ford, and then he also played. Um, wait, did I say no? I'm, wait, short round. I'm sorry, short round in uh, Indiana Jones, and he played Data in the Goonies. So that guy. Um, so yeah, I. Uh, 
I'm going to definitely check that out. It looks pretty badass. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about this episode. Season one, episode five, The Banquet, directed by Beth McCarthy Miller, written by Greg Daniels, Michael Schur, and Tucker Crawley. So for the cold open, this is the third episode of episode in a row where we start with Leslie on a nature trail. If you recall two episodes ago, it was uh, Leslie with Jerry when she ate the country honeysuckle and uh, she got like, she got some kind of, uh, she caught something because she, she's kind of talking like this because her mouth like totally blew up. Uh, and then last week, the episode started off with Leslie and Tom when they got called because uh, kids were digging bags of dog shit out of the garbage and throwing them at each other. So uh, this time, it really makes no sense why she's out here, except to tell us about another one of the town's uh, offensive murals. She's at the place where pioneer Nathaniel Bixby Mark was slaughtered by a tribe of Wamapoke Indians after he traded them a baby for what would go on to become Indianapolis. So I did talk about this in, I don't know what number episode it was. It was probably like 10 back or whatever, where I talked about the the murals of Pawnee. And uh, this is obviously just about all the offensive murals that are placed throughout city hall. So uh, it is kind of funny though. Leslie says that uh, the the Indians, the Wamapokes, they cut his face off and they made it into a dream catcher and they made his legs into rain sticks. <laughs> she then says, that's the great thing about the Wamapoke. They used every part of the pioneer. So again, it was pretty funny, but like just the context of this cold open was so weird because Leslie just, when it started off, she was already like walking through the woods. So like why did why was she like, hey, come out here? I want this to eh. anyway. All right. So we start the off. Uh, we start the episode off with Leslie telling us that her mom, Marlene Griggs Nope, is being honored with uh, the Tellinson the Award for Excellence in Pawnee Public Service and that there will be a banquet. She then tells us that Tony Tellinson was no is a great man. She says, I for one, I'm happy that they're keeping him alive. I don't. Maybe it's just me, but that sounded, I thought that was so funny the first time I heard her say, I for one am happy that they're keeping him alive because it just sounds like so morbid to me. Like, is this guy in a, like, is he a vegetable? So it's, it's just funny to me Like, yeah, just not that he's doing well or not that he's fighting the good fight. They're keeping him alive. So it's like, what the hell? Um, so Marlene and Leslie, uh, they just kind of shoot the crap about being powerful women in government. And uh, we cut over to Ron, who uh, basically he's known Marlene for a long time. And we don't really see them interact, actually, at all. Like, not really in person. Like, later on, Ron will give a speech for her. But you don't really see the two of them sitting down and talking. So uh, this is what Ron says, though, about Marlene. The only reason anybody's going to this thing is because they're afraid of what Marlene will do to them if they don't. That woman is tough. In 1994, I gave her a nickname. It's unrepeatable, but it's stuck. It's my proudest accomplishment. It's the iron of Pawnee. And uh, after research, I have found that apparently the nickname is Earmuffs for the Kids, the Iron Cock Shredder of Pawnee. However... If you watch this, because later on, someone else says it as well. And clearly, as you heard, this is like a long beeped out thing. If you say it along with them, they say something else besides cock shredder, maybe like mother effing cock shredder, because it's yeah, it's it's longer what is bleeped out than just that one word. So uh, now we're back with Leslie and Tom, where she wants Tom to type out her speech as she says it. But this is kind of like in the last episode when she was uh 
when Tom was like, hey, let's uh, I'm going to ask you some questions that the ethics committee might be doing. So he's just kind of she's she's like, all right, talks about she's like, my mom is a great woman. Read that back to me. And he reads back completely different ones like uh, my mom is very obese. And she's like, that's not what I said, is it? So it's like more like Leslie being stupid, too, instead of just being like Tom, like do the shit the right way, you know? So like always in, in, in these first few episodes, Tom is just kind of being like a jag. So, uh, but it, it's kind of funny though, because Leslie really, she's like, huh, okay. Like kind of putting Tom's things into perspective, like, oh, maybe I should change up my wording, even though like what she said was good. Tom's just being stupid and, you know, changing all this stuff. So we cut over to Ann Perkins house. Uh, she uh, comes out of the bedroom, uh, Andy's sitting on the couch and she has this really pretty dress on that she's going to wear to the banquet. And, uh, you know, because Leslie invited her as her date, basically. Uh, Andy loves the, the dress. Uh, he says it's hot. And then he asks her why she never wears it for him. And she kind of awkwardly says, well, I'd feel weird getting dressed up to sit on the couch. So they both have like unsure faces after that, which is another sign of things to come, which, uh, <laughs> spoiler, they will break up after uh, at the end of the uh, the next episode or maybe in the middle of the episode. But yeah, it's just... Um, it's yeah, because Andy's like being super nice about it. And Anne, I don't think she's trying to be like a, like a jerk or anything, but it, it's kind of true. It's like, well, we don't go out anywhere. You know, Andy doesn't work or anything. So it's not like he takes her out to dinner anywhere. So uh, <laughs> so now we cut over to one of my favorite scenes, legitimately, like in the entire series. Leslie is going to get a haircut. She uh, this is and this is the scene that actually started it all for me, like. My when I started the Parks Rec memes page, that's when I kind of became really devoted to this show. And it was like, I, I just want to talk about the show. I love doing it. That's when I started that page. And so, uh, yeah, so Leslie, she goes to get her haircut from Salvatore Manfrelati, who is a barber. Well, we actually do not hear about Salvatore again until the episode He Dies, which is the penultimate episode of the series, uh, Two Funerals. Is it? Two funerals or three? I think it's two funerals. Yeah, because it is uh, Salvatore and then it's also Mayor Gunderson. So uh, let's see. All right. Yeah. And like I said, he is a barber. He cuts the hair of all the male government employees. And I love how here Leslie uses the term movers and shakers, referring to his clientele, just like she described the people who eat at JJ's Diner in, uh, I think it was the second episode when we were introduced to JJ's Diner. So Leslie loves using the, the term movers and shakers when she's talking about like the, uh, the, the big wigs, I guess, in Pawnee. So uh, again, uh, this scene I'll get to right here. This was the very first one that I made for the Parks Rec memes page that I put together like six years ago. So what's the inside scoop, Salvatore? My feet hurt. <laughs> Classic Salvatore. Do I know you? Uh, no, this is my first official political haircut. I'm Leslie Nope, Deputy Director of Parks and Recreation. Are you related to that Marlene something Nope? That depends. Would you call being her daughter related? The hell else would you call it? <laughs> and the, the thing that is so funny about it, obviously you heard it there, but just how Salvatore is not having this conversation. Like he is not interested in any way, shape or form becoming like friends with Leslie. He's not being like a, like a dick. He's just a curmudgeon, you know, he's like an old dude, but yeah, just the whole like, what the hell else would you call it? You know, cause she's, and her face just drops. You feel bad for her after that because like she was so excited. Like, yeah, Marlene's my mom and this dude doesn't care, you know? So 
Um, yeah, he's just she's trying to engage with him and he just he's not having it. So, uh, all right. So we're at the banquet and we're here for most of the episode, actually, pretty much till the end. So um, right off the bat, <laughs> Leslie shows up and her hair is like, let's say it's looking very masculine. So she walks into the and Of course, she's wearing like a power suit. And Anne, who shows up, you know, basically as her guest is wearing this beautiful dress. So, of course, the two of them together, they look like they're a couple. And so when Leslie walks in, you see April. She's at the the like the front table getting her, um, you know, probably getting her table assignment or whatever, checking in. And you just see her turn and her eyes just get so big. It is one of the best reactions in the show. And this is when she sees Leslie walk up. And Leslie, of course, she sees April's response and she's like, oh, like, you, you know, she's very excited. So April calls her sir which is just amazing right there. And then the fact that Leslie replies with, oh, we're off the clock, April. You don't need to call me, sir. It's just, it's so good. Like, like Leslie is expects her to call her sir apparently at work, but it's like, oh, we're off the clock. Clearly not getting that it's because of her haircut. Uh, so she also notes that uh, Salvatore calls this haircut the mayor, which is clearly homage to Mayor Gunderson, uh, the Pawnee mayor, also being a man. <laughs> so I wonder if his uh, actually I don't know if that's clearly an homage, but I mean, it's called the mayor. So, yeah, it's probably like mayor, maybe what Mayor Gunderson's hair looked like at one point. I don't know. All right. So, uh, like I said, Anne shows up. She has got a very fancy, uh, lovely dress on because Leslie oversold her on the dress code. Because Anne, actually the dress that she was wearing in the beginning of the episode when she came out and showed Andy was a different one than this. That one probably would have been more like suitable, I guess. But the dress, she, it's not like she's wearing a gown or anything. I think she kind of plays up that she's overdressed. But I think it might also be because she might be like the only the only female there that's wearing a dress. Because like I feel like a lot of the other ones are actually wearing yeah, power suits and blazers and whatnot. So... Um, like I said, Leslie's got the pantsuit on. So everyone, including Leslie's mom, think that they are a couple. Uh, Leslie, or I'm sorry, Anne notes that one man in particular is staring at them. So Leslie, in awe, notes that it is former city councilor Frank Schnappel. Again, the names in this show like this. I, I love it so much. Schnappel. He uh, he kind of he comes walking over to them. And, you know, like it's funny because right when he sees them walk in, he, he takes note. So you're either thinking it's just like, okay, this guy is like homophobic and he's not happy with this or <laughs> which we find out he is a closeted gay man because he comes over and he just tells them that he thinks what they're doing is very courageous and he wishes he could do the same. So <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny there. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's just, it's funny but this is another one where it's like Leslie uh, again, and I keep saying it season one, Leslie versus everything else. Like she is somehow so oblivious to this, but Anne knows exactly what he's talking about. which makes it even more uncomfortable for her. So uh, the two of them, they finally uh, join the rest of the parks department at the table. And I think this is, well, it's Ron, April, Jerry. I don't think Donna's there. And then Mark. So it's that those four and that oh, Tom also Tom is there. So it's the five of them. And then April, uh, Leslie and Ann come over. So uh, I just like, this is just a really funny part. Just everyone's reactions to Leslie's hair. 
uh jerry actually makes like a really like a whoa kind of face he doesn't say anything but it's just like he makes that face and then kind of looks around i think april looks at him and they like acknowledge like yeah that looks terrible so uh ron's reaction is the best though because he tells her he's like i like your hairdo leslie it's just like my brother's he's an officer in the air force uh this is actually the first mention that ron has a brother we find out that he has uh i believe he's got two i know he has at least two i can't remember if they there's lon and there's don and then his son is john so yeah i think he's just got the two brothers we we, well it's it's funny actually because they don't really ben is the only one who actually is like wait ron you have brothers and then he meets them later on or what it's just funny that ron uh ben is the only one that's shocked so i guess ron and this isn't probably isn't like a secret or anything that he has brothers even though he plays it off like it is later on in the show because again ben's the only one who seems like interested in this okay um uh then we also find out a little more about ron we found out we find out that uh his number one favorite food is bacon and his number three favorite food is shrimp because he is eating bacon wrapped shrimp and he says my third favorite i'm sorry um my my number one favorite thing wrapped in my number three favorite food i think that's Oh, I got it. No food. Nope. Number one is bacon. Number three. Oh my God. I'm all over the place here. Sorry. All right. Moving on. Leslie points out to Anne that zoning board member Janine Restrepo is in attendance and that they need her endorsement to, uh, for lot 48. So, uh, also at Janine's table are the past eight Tellinson award winners. And because their names are so great, I'm going to list them. So here we go. Burt Winfield, Jeffrey Morkelsberg, Quentin Arbel, Don Crink. Best part about that is that Don Crink is a woman. Michael Holloway, Horace Wrangle, Wilmer Visum, and then Oscar Fortmiller. Uh, she's like, actually, oh wait, no, that's not that's not Oscar Fortmiller. He passed away. That's his disappointing son, Theo. So Theo Fortmiller. But again, just the names in this show. I, I, I know I just talked about it, but like Morkelsberg, Arbel, Don Crink. I love that so much. And that Horace Wrangle, Wilmer Visum. Ah, ah, I just said him, but. So good. So uh, we're back to the parks table. And uh, this is like, like, I wouldn't say it's like a funny scene, but it's a cute scene because Leslie just can't stop talking about how nervous she is to go talk to Janine Restrepo. And Mark is like, she's right there. Go talk to her. Like Mark probably knows her actually, because I think he's, you know, he's the city planner. So he, uh, I don't know why he doesn't kind of, he's not the intro here, but uh, again, he doesn't talk to her, but He's like, all right, fine, Leslie, why don't you go ahead and give me your pitch and I'll pretend I'm Janine Restrepo. So Leslie starts talking about, you know, giving her a pitch, telling her what she needs to do. And Mark just, he like grabs her nose, like he plugs it. And Leslie starts laughing and he's just like, what? He's like, I'm zoning board member Janine Restrepo. I can do whatever I want. So Leslie just keeps talking. And then Anne is like, well, I'm da-da-da. And she makes up some name and she plugs Mark's nose. And then Leslie goes over and she plugs Anne's nose. And like, they're all laughing, having a fun time. And everyone's like, what the the hell are these idiots doing but i just like that they cut over to mark and he's like what it's fun acting like zoning board members like again it's not like a funny part but it's just kind of a cute part so uh we then see uh leslie and ann she goes to talk to leslie's mom who is taken aback what this is the first time she's actually seeing leslie so she sees leslie hair leslie's hair and then also uh ann who is at this point maybe leslie's date so uh so thinks leslie uh, marlene 
she's like, oh, so you're Leslie's new friend. And Anne is quickly just like, yes, yes, I'm um, I'm her friend. I have a boyfriend. I live with my boyfriend. And even Marlene, she kind of sizes her up, like like looks her up and down. And she's just kind of like, uh-huh. Like kind of like, yeah, sure. All right, whatever. So uh, Marlene convinces Leslie that she's going to have to try and butter up Janine Restrepo during her speech about Marlene. So <laughs> I like this because they just, they throw in a, a quick talking head with Anne and she's just like, am I the only person that doesn't bleep and know who Janine Restrepo is? So I, yeah, it's just because Leslie keeps talking about her and then Marlene comes in and immediately she's like, oh yeah, Janine Restrepo. So I love that. Anne's just like, what the fuck? Like, who the hell is this lady? So uh, Leslie goes up there and she speaks and it's like really awkwardly done where she just, she'll say, not in a bad way, but I mean, like you just watch it and you feel cringy for like th this woman, Janine, because she talks about her mom and then she'll awkwardly just keep adding Janine Restrepo's name in there, which confuses everyone, especially Janine, because she doesn't even know Leslie. Uh, she, <laughs> she just keeps saying like, oh, my mom, you're so great, but you also great is Janine, you know, and it shows Marlene. It's funny. She does that thing where, you know, like you kind of tap your nose and point to the person, like almost like their brow nosing, but it's like, yeah, well done. Like good job. So uh, when Leslie is done, she, uh, she heads back to the table and uh, Chris Shug, I know you're not listening. I don't think you listened to this one, but uh, you, you pointed this out to me. And I always thought this was very funny because when Leslie comes back to the table with her very masculine hairdo, Tom is just like, you demand, Leslie. Like they don't make a big deal about it, but it's that's yeah, pretty damn funny when he says that. Okay, and then we get a very quick introduction to Martin Housley. Uh, he is the guy that uh, he does a lot of the like uh, he's on the telethon episode and then he's also in the beauty pageant episode. He hosts these and he does like all of the impersonations like and I am not a criminal. Actually, he hosts the woodworking awards, too, and Ron wins that award because they like he asks himself a question and he's like, would I and holds up a wooden eye. Uh, I love in the telethon uh, episode, though, because he's hosting it with Joan Calamezzo and he keeps doing these little impressions and Joan, you can hear her on stage. She's just like, stop that. Like very uncomfortable with him doing these things. So yeah, he will, um, he, he'll go on to, he'll be in a few more of these episodes. So he invites anyone else to come up and speak uh, about Marlene. So Tom goes up and he just schmoozes like always. He's talking up Marlene, but like in really inappropriate and awkward ways though, that are flattering her. Like he's, he's got the crowd going. I mean, everyone's loving this. They're having a good time, but it's just like, if you told me 20 years ago that I would be up here in a banquet hall with Marlene Griggs, nope, I would think we were getting married. And like, everyone goes nuts and she's laughing. Like I said, she's really flattered about this, but it's just like, you know, Tom clearly didn't put any thought into this stuff. He's just like being a brown noser. So, uh, so Leslie finally meets with Janine. She meets her like out in the hallway and she says that she, she, well, like she asks Janine, Hey, like, you know, can I, can I come meet you? First off, Janine's just like, yeah, do I know who you are? She's like, no, we've never met, but I'm Leslie. Nope. She introduced herself. She's like, yeah, I, I really need to talk to you about lot 48. So Janine's like, yeah, just go ahead and call my office. We'll set something up maybe next month or whatever. So it just seems very like passive, very blowing off. Like, yeah, sure. I'll get to you when I get to you. Uh, so we, we cut, we'll get back to that, but we cut over to Ron and I'm like getting to the point in season five, uh, season one, sorry, where like five episodes in where it's like, I forgot how much I hate like this version of Ron because he's 
still talking like this. He's very quiet. And it's almost like he's talking like he's Duke Silver, but all the time, just because he hasn't become uh, like the more assertive Ron that we know. Uh, so he 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 goes up there and he speaks for Marlene and he kind of talks uh, like if you watch The Office, the episode where Dwight's aunt dies and everyone just kind of goes around in a circle giving off facts about them. You know, like Moses is like, well, she was this tall at one point. Now she's this tall. And then uh, what's her name? The girl that married Dwight was going to marry her dad comes and he's like, oh, this she had this much property. Yada, yada, yada. So that's pretty much what Ron does, because. This is almost like it reminded me of the quote he had when he said he hates t- listening to people because when the the at his wedding, when the uh, the priest wanted them to do their vows, he just like stayed quiet like because he, he asked for the vows and Ron wouldn't answer. So he stayed quiet for however long it was. But yeah, so he he just says he's not going to go up there and kiss her ass. He's just going to literally just give facts about Marlene. So that is what he does. He's like. You know, Marlene is a woman. And then at the end, like ends it with Marlene. It is true. You have won this award. Love that. All right. So uh, now Tom, who's been like mostly quiet for this episode, he's he's like now he's like kind of being annoying. He's like nagging on uh, Mark. He's just like, come on, man. You said we could go to the bar to pick up chicks. So Mark is actually you can tell he's a little like he like almost like shut up, Tom. You know, like what what the hell? I like we used because Anne's still sitting there. And Anne is just like, I don't think she really cares much. She just doesn't want to be left there by herself. Cause like Jerry and April, I think have, or actually, no, we, we will see April and I'll, we'll get back to her. Uh, but I, I don't know what happened to Jerry. So, all right. So the, the two of them, Mark and um, Tom, they end up leaving. Yeah. Cause Mark's just like, well, this is wrapping up. So yeah, let's just, let's just go ahead. And Tom is like, well, it's Friday night you know, in Pawnee, like we're not going to have any. And he basically just wants Mark to like hook him up with some chicks. So, uh, so later on, Leslie is talking to her mom and she tells her about like the meeting with Janine, but Marlene is just like, Oh, well, did she say call my office or did she say call my secretary? And I think Leslie says call my office. So she knows immediately she's like, we're being blown off. And I love this too, because Marlene all of a sudden like has turned this into where where she's blowing us off. Like Marlene has nothing to do with this, but she's clearly, you know, inserting herself and making, making it out to Leslie. Like, yeah, don't worry. I got this. But so she tells Leslie that, uh, the best thing she can do is, uh, blackmail her. Uh, and by doing this, she tells her, well, uh, Janine's husband actually got a DUI recently and she's trying to keep it a secret. So that's how she can get her meeting because Leslie at first is like, Oh, well, I hope he gets the, I hope he gets the the help he needs and kind of looking at her mom. Like, what do you want me to do with that information? And then, um, yeah, Marlene, she's, and, and this is so great because Leslie's like, well, mom, I don't, I don't think I want to blackmail her. I want to get a Tellinson award someday. And Marlene calls out the past, the past Tellinson award winners. And I don't, I don't know why, but I think this scene is so funny. Those are eight of the nastiest, most diabolical people you could ever want to meet. Bert Winfield was a blackmailer. And Don Crink slept her way to the top of the DMV. Trip Holloway named names in the 50s. Horace Wrangle used the police department to harass journalists. And geez, honey, Tony Tellinson was the worst. He tried to resegregate the drinking fountains. I just, I, I think... Like the funniest part in there is uh, that Trip Holloway named names because I always think of like 
Goodfellas or like the Sopranos when you think of something like that, like, oh, he named names, meaning he was a rat. But it just seems so funny to me. And then also Marlene, her calling them out and saying that they're like the most diabolical people in Pawnee. She's winning this award. So it's like, what does that say about Marlene? Which I think is really funny. And then also the fact that Leslie wants to win this thing, which actually she never wins the Tellington Award. I, I'm kind of surprised thinking back on how how smart Parks and Rec is when they do callbacks and stuff like that. But yeah, we'll see Leslie win other awards. So uh, again, just a great scene there. And then just getting to hear those names again. And also that Don Crink slept her way to the top at the DMV. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. So next, uh, Leslie tells Anne what she plans to do. And Anne is like, I love that Anne's not cool with this. She's just like, why you? Why would you want to blackmail this woman? That doesn't sound like something you would do. And then Leslie gets like shitty about it. And she kind of turns it around on Anne about how, you know, or well, well actually Anne like kind of starts. And she's like, oh, what? You just do what your mom tells you, which was probably not the right thing to say because Leslie immediately, it's almost like, you know, calling the kettle black, like, you are Andy's personal servant. It's like, well, he's got two broken legs. And Leslie's like, yeah, and he's got three three crutches, two real crutches, and then you're the third crutch. But she's she's right. But I mean, it's like this, it kind of out of nowhere, these two just got into a fight. Not as bad as the episode, The Fight, which we'll get to uh, down the road. But uh, yeah, they, they do fight about this. And then Anne's just like, screw it, I'm leaving. So uh, then the that the guy who came over before the the schnapple the the closeted former councilman, he confronts Leslie and he's just like it's okay all couples fight you know which confuses Leslie again because she's still oblivious to what he's talking about but yeah he's just comforting her that like hey you guys are a gay couple that's okay you're allowed to fight. All right, so um, we quickly cut over to Scully's, which is a bar that um, will be recurring throughout the, the series. But uh, this is just really quickly showing Tom and Mark what's going on with them. Uh, Tom's wearing like this ridiculous orange hat, like one of those, not like a, I was going to say LL Cool J hats, but not FUBU, but like I believe he wears what it almost looks like the hat that the little Shriners wear, but it's like a fuzzy one. So uh, Tom says that he's peacocking, which is basically that that's still a thing, I guess, where you just wear a really loud piece of uh, clothing or something to get people's attention. So they're. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, it just shows that real quick. So back at the banquet, Leslie is now trying to strong arm Janine. She decided that she's going to try to go through with this blackmail thing. And she goes over and she just sits down and she's like, you know what? You're, I'm going to take a meeting uh, next week. You know, and she's like, we'll call my office. We'll see if we can get it work, get it to work. And Leslie's like, oh, OK, so she has to pull out the big, you know, the big guns. And she tells her, like, oh, does your husband do a lot of driving? She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, I know about his DUI. So Janine, like at first, she seems kind of intimidated. And she's like, what do you want? And then Leslie immediately just gets like flustered. And she's like, oh, um, I don't. So then Janine just grabs a glass of water and throws it in Leslie's face. And she like yells at her. She's like, get out. Get the hell out of here. So Leslie's tone like immediately just changes. And she realized how petty she's being. And she's acting like like what what the hell she just do? Like she did. She tried to blackmail and threaten like, uh, you know, a, a city hall, like a public official. So she just uh, she she walks away and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I hope your husband gets the uh, the, the help that he needs. Now back at Scully's bar, uh, Tom pathetically uses Mark to try to get girls, but it goes nowhere because Mark just like he's in, they're in the middle of a conversation. These two like good looking girls and 
they're like Tom's, you know, Tom's like talking to them, like he's giving them like stupid questions to answer, you know, and Mark actually, you kind of think that maybe, and, and it's actually, it's a little contradictory because I've been talking like, it seems like in these episodes, it's like, you're not really sure what they're trying to do with Mark's character because it's like, sometimes he seems sleazy, like when he slept with Shauna. Uh, but then he also, he'll tell us, he's like, well, I don't hang out. That's not who I am anymore. Things like that. But yeah, they're in the middle of a conversation and he just walks away because he's like, this is stupid. And so Tom goes over and he's just like, hey, what are you doing, man? Those girls are really into you. And he's just like, I don't care. Like, I'm, I don't, I, I don't want to do this anymore. So he just leaves. And um, yeah, that's like he hits on Anne and Leslie in the next episode. So it's just it goes back and forth. But, you know, I'll get to that next week. Uh, so we cut back to Anne's house and uh, Leslie actually, Anne's already been home. So Leslie is, uh, she's still in her outfit. So she just left the banquet. She comes over and she apologizes to Anne and Anne, Anne apologizes back and forth. They hug it out. And I love this part too, because they're sitting on the couch hugging and Andy comes out of the bedroom on his crutches and he's just like, Hey, what the hell? Because he sees Leslie, but only from behind. So he sees short hair and then you know, they both turn around. He's like, oh, sorry, Leslie. I thought you were a dude. <laughs> I just, it's, yeah, because the, the haircut's so funny. All right. So then we get a, a voiceover from Leslie and she's talking about how she she wants to just get everything done the right way. She tells us that, and, and this is kind of, we, we get this reveal right away because you wonder, because uh, there's an episode in season two with John Larroquette, which is like, you find out that he's Marlene's like a fling she had. But I was always confused when I watched that like the first time or two. It was just like, wait a minute. I think that guy might have been like her stepdad. He's not, though. Well, we find out that Leslie's real father has he's dead. Uh, we don't know how or when he passed away, but she says that he's in Florida in a cemetery. And then um, <laughs> in regards to her mom, she says, the point is, my mom is alive and I love her. She's one tough cookie. That's why everybody calls her the iron Pawnee. Okay, and that's how uh, it, it pretty much ends, except there is the one tag. Uh, and again, this is uh, it, it, the tags just weren't as good in the first season here because this one is it just they cut back to the bar and Tom is just there, like striking out with the ladies, like he always does. So, um, yeah, so that is the episode, uh, The Banquet on IMDb. This is sitting at a 7.1. I actually think this is probably my favorite episode in season one, mostly just because of the stuff with like, I, I always thought it was hysterical with Ron, uh, his nickname for, for Marlene. And then the fact that Leslie, no, obviously you would think she'd know it, but the fact that she says it back and just watching this though, that's what's so weird about it is even when Leslie says it, it seems longer. Like, yeah, it seemed like Ryan's or, or Ryan, like Ron's was more like the, like the iron bleeping cock shredder. I know I love how I have to bleep out the F word, but I say cock shredder. And then uh, Leslie sounds like it might be more like the mother effing shredder. So uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it is hysterical to me. And actually uh, I'll jump into a little bit of trivia from IMDb. The first one here, uh, that's what it's about. It does say Ron Swanson's nickname for Leslie Nope's mother, Marlene Grig Nope's, is the Iron Cock Shredder Pawnee. The name is bleeped out, but you can read Ron's lips. See, that's the thing, though. You really can't because they put that blur over Ron and Leslie's. You can, though. Really, the best I could surmise is that you can see that it's like 
er of Pawnee. So it's like, okay, I could see Shredder being that last word. Either way, I'm putting a lot of emphasis on this, but it's just, it doesn't seem to, it seems like there is more to that name and I want to get to the bottom of it because it's hilarious. Okay. So uh, this is a part I talked about a few minutes ago when I, I mentioned uh, that April had left and I was like, oh wait, no, she hadn't. I know that April was still there when Anne left because I did notice this. I didn't write it down though, but right here it says, well before April and Andy get together, April can be seen in a blurry background giving a look of disdain to Anne as she leaves the banquet on the phone with Andy. I did notice that, but I wasn't sure if that was intentional. So I like that someone else pointed this out because, yeah, Anne is on the phone right after she gets in the in the fight with Leslie. Anne's taking off and she's like Andy clearly asked her to pick up some food for him. And she's like, wait, you want you want turkey and meatball? I don't know if they can do like she's like, do they combo those up? And she's like, oh, wait, you like I think he wanted like one sub, but like split down the. I don't know what it was, but yeah, you see April giving her a look like almost like maybe she knows she's on the phone with Andy. But yeah, I don't know. That might be it because maybe April is starting to like Andy here. So uh, and then the other uh, trivia piece they have is that. Retta is credited as Don Amigo, but her scenes were deleted in this episode. Included on the DVD is a deleted scene where Donna explains that she cannot attend the banquet as she has to attend her dog's funeral. So that, I, I'm kind of happy they left that out because, and I know D Donna doesn't seem like she would ever have a dog. And the reason, like, I think of this because, well, clearly one, like how Donna is just when the people come over to like her family's uh, or when they go to her family's beach house, how strict they are about cleanliness and everything. I couldn't see her having a dog. And then also her spirit dog is actually a cat. And the one, at least to my knowledge off the top of my head, when we hear Donna talking about dogs is when they're trying to come up with the, the, the great new idea after the Harvest Festival. And Donna's wonderful idea is a dog park for poodles only, no pooping allowed. So, uh, yeah, so that is uh, that's the episode. Again, that is um, the banquet. Next week, I will be covering uh, episode six of season one, which is the finale. And that is Rock Show. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. If you'd like to contact me or the show, citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can do that. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes released on Tuesdays. Happy birthday again, Sadie. I love you. Um, not just Sadie, everyone else. Thank you again for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you soon. Bobby Newport's brother is Nick Newport Jr.